It all begins with this gate drop. Hello everyone, welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast, your home for everything motocross, supercross, dirt bike related. I am Steve, joined as always by Jesse. What's up, Jesse? Chilling. What about those races? How about those races? Wherever you're listening to this podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time we upload a new show. Also, visit our website, www.power2theground.com. Check out for giveaways, merch, exclusive web content, including early adopter for a jug club. And uh, we had some action on the jug club front last night, Jesse. Yes, we did. Steve and I did a little jump jump up and down there. Uh, shout out to Doug. Doug is our first member, our first early adopter of the jug club. We're super excited about that. Um. We reached out to him right after. Uh, his jug will be on the way ASAP. We got to uh, get our um, shipment in, and he will have that in his inbox soon. A- soon. Soon. Should, should be within the week, in the next uh, two weeks or Doug, so. Doug, thank you, man. And uh, just for everybody who's listening and is still maybe unsure, a little hesitant, uh, what's the Jug Club about, bud? So the Jug Club uh, is basically an insider's club for Power to the Ground. So if you go onto our website, we have, if you look over, all the way over to the right, or if you're on mobile, you hit the little menu and you'll see something that says Jug Club. Give you a little snapshot about what we're about. If you're listening to this, you probably know what we're about. Um, but once you get inside of Jug Club, we've got a couple of cool things that, that are going on. Um, one is the community aspect. We've got a, a forum on there, which is basically a um, like a Facebook group within our website where everybody can come in and you know kind of give their two cents about what we're doing or to, their two cents about the races themselves. It's a great place to come in and you know just make Hang your out, chat. Yep. Tell other people they're stupid. Tell it, us we suck. Exactly. Um, along with that, we also have a um, chat function in there. So you can make new friends and you can chat one-on-one back and forth on the website. Um, that is a new addition uh, that I am very excited about. Um, and then uh, also one of the things that we are going to add within the next few weeks or so, I think is uh a live broadcast of Steve and I actually watching the races and we w- will do that inside of uh, jug club. So those of you who are early adopters will be able to sit there, hang out with us, chat back and forth with us on the website and watch us rip apart the broadcasts as we're watching it. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff just happening with Jug Club. Um, really, we got some giveaways coming down the pipe too. Yeah, um, a couple of things we had in mind. Some stuff we think you guys would like if you were to adopt early <laughs> into the Jug Club. Yeah, so um, so we're we are planning on doing a giveaway. Um, the early adopters um, discount will expire on May thirty first. On June first, we are going to be doing a giveaway to everybody who has subscribed to the early adopters. So for those of you who have who have subscribed to Jug Club by May 31st, you will be eligible for this giveaway on June 1st. And uh, we had two final two final thoughts for this um, for the giveaway and we're not sure which one we're gonna go with. 
we're either going to be doing the um their the DJI um basically GoPro um yeah their their camera, sport camera their sport camera or a DJI drone um most likely the Mavic Air and uh I mean at some point I'd like to do both yeah, uh, we're just trying to decide which one we want to do for that first giveaway for early adopters. If you guys have a preference or ideas for what you'd like us to give away for the early adopters program, you can go ahead and subscribe to Jug Club and, and you then can let us know what you want us to give away. <laughs> you can chat with us on the website and let us know which one you want to win. Um, so yeah, but jump in now. Um, some great deals going on. Five dollars. Five dollars. And that never. If you're an early adopter, no matter what happens with Power to the Ground, whether we end up becoming, you know, whatever it is that we end up becoming, your contribution will be $5 forever. It's locked in forever. Oh, and you get a 20% discount code, personalized 20% discount code to anything and everything that gets added to the power to the ground store. I mean, that all sounds like a pretty damn good deal. So I think so. I would be a part of the jug club if I wasn't an administrator of the jug club. Just letting <laughs> you know, I like jugs. I like <laughs> So I think that about covers it, guys. Thank you all once again for your support. Um, let's get into some some talking about the races last night, man. Because, oh, man, man, do we have stuff to talk about. Uh, first of all, first off, usual broadcast fails. It really wasn't a whole lot that stood out to me last night other than just the usual stuff, right? Uh, Ricky was just clueless and repetitive once again. The one thing I, I will say, and I pointed this out, for some reason, when he's talking about starts, starting in second, getting the power to the ground, yep. um, all the different techniques, uh, gate picks and um, lines and things like that on the starts, he's great, great, great insight. And it's like he turns into uh, Will Ferrell when he's debating. In, uh, <laughs> uh, like he just, oh, I just blacked out. Just, what just, happened? <laughs> he just like – it was great. It was such good insight talking about I would pick this gate for this reason – uh, even though some guys might pick this gate for that reason. And he's done that before when coming to the starts. And then as soon as they're not talking about the starts anymore, he snaps out of it and goes back to being, it's going to yeah. be interesting to see. He even has like to the point where he's developed a catchphrase. He's, he's gotten so good at analyzing the starts that he actually has a catchphrase. It, it's a uh, condition over position. Can, yeah. Which is actually a decent catchphrase. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's, I'll take it because then, it just, it, it's so descriptive. Right. And then as soon as soon as they broke out of talking about the starts, it's exactly yeah. yeah. It's like he just woke up. It was like he was he was uh, um, is it Jason Sudeikis from The Hangover? The yeah. first one when they woke up and the he goes and sees a tiger in the bathroom. You know, it was it's crazy. Yeah, I don't understand why there's such there's so much disconnect there disconnect with there. the rest of it. And you know. The, the moment that stuck out to me, um, I believe it was March Banks in the first 250 race, um, made a great pass. I, it, so I think he uh, he had gone around the outside, which is something we'll talk about when we get to the, the track in one of these rhythm sections, and Kai had a lot of momentum. And by the end of the rhythm section, had made the pass. And so they're, they're showing it, they're highlighting it, all good stuff. And... So they, they naturally want to, the broadcasters want to start talking about March Banks. Just made a good pass. I think he I think it was a podium pass at that point. Yep. Um and instead of Ricky talking about what he just did to make that pass, which is what a color commentator, analyst, and play by play guys are supposed to do. 
Uh, well, the reason March Banks was able to make that pass was he went around the outside. He carried his momentum. And look, he does a triple onto the tabletop and then a double off of it. Whereas, you know, uh, Sexton does this, this, and that. And analyze what gave him the edge in that section that allowed him to make that pass, which is what we want. Instead, what we got was, you know, March Banks has been riding really well the past couple of weeks. Last week, he had a finish in fourth. And that's all they talked about was what he did last, last week, week instead of what's happening right now. Like, dude. Your job is not to tell us things we already know. It is to give us insight into things we may not know, particularly more casual fans who may not understand why did this, why didn't the other guy just go faster? Right. Well, it's there's more to it than that, right? It is your job to tell us what there is more to it. Like there's right. give us that insight. And they just never flat out don't do that. It just unless they're talking about starts. Yeah, it's it's completely and utterly worthless, is really what it is. It's it. it it doesn't create any more value to the races than if there was no commentary. If it was just the the stadium sound. And I, I would almost rather that. I would really almost at this point because I feel dumber listening to these guys broadcast this. It's gotten so bad. And the more you pay attention to it, the more you like. I guess if you're just kind of casually watching and it's not something you're really, you're just kind of in one ear out the other, you know, not paying attention to what they're saying. You can kind of get by. It's fine. It sounds professional enough because right. of you know their the way they they talk. But the more you pay attention to it, and if you're like a more hardcore fan that watches these things every week, you're gonna pick up on it more and more every week. Just how poor quality that booth is or if you jump out of watching the race and go to watch another sport where uh, 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 the high, uh, yeah drastic difference drastic difference like you can you it's i have like a physical reaction when i like actually last week last week i was i was watching the races and i went straight or was it the other way around i was watching an xfl an xfl game which if you haven't watched an xfl game Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Um, but I was watching an XFL game. Great, great caller commentary. Great play-by-play. Switch over, and it was just in my face. I'm like, it, it, that's the worst. If you go from watching an actually professionally commentary, comment, commentated, <laughs> commentated sport, and then go over to watching Supercross, it's really, really it, obvious. It, it, so... Uh, and thank you. I want to give a shout out to Weston, Weston. Uh, as well. We had some good conversations with him in the uh, chat. He messaged us on Facebook, gave us some really, really good feedback, which is something we obviously encourage you guys to do all the time. Let us know what you think about the podcast, the things we have to say, our opinions, some some feedback, things you'd like to see, you'd like us to talk about. But and keep- I want to see if Weston listens to this, actually. Weston, if you're listening to this right now, go on Facebook, message our page, send the word pineapple to us. <laughs> if you send the word pineapple to us, I will send you a, a t-shirt. <laughs> I like it. Weston gets a t-shirt if he listens. Um, <laughs> if you're friends of Weston, make sure you let him know that he needs to listen to the podcast. Um, but he, one thing he pointed out, and, and that is op, should be obvious, but we've been just picking up so much other stuff. I've talked about how Ralph is basically mailing his performances in at this point. He he uses his broadcast voice, but there's nothing behind it. Yeah. And you could tell he is checked out of this and that he is mailing it in because the amount of times he screws up rider names, both pronunciation and just calling one rider the wrong rider, right. when everybody watching 
can see the number on the back of the rider and can just look to the left of the screen <laughs> where the names are. Like, before you say words, make sure the words you're saying have meaning and are correct. And Ralph screws up names constantly. constantly. And that is about as unprofessional. Like, could you imagine watching any other sport where – they have the rosters printed out in front of them. I mean, these guys are are saying names. The hockey broadcasters come to mind, right? The fourth line of a team that you don't see very often. You don't know who the fourth line forwards are, but you're going to say their name and you're going to say it right. And you're going to say it quickly because you've done your work. You've done the research. You know who's on the lines. You even might have an idea of their numbers and the positions they play. And for, at least for that game, you know that team as well as your own team if you're, the, if you're like the radio caller or whatever. Um, that's professionalism. That's what you get paid right. to do. Ralph does this every single week with the same riders every single week and still screws up their names on a regular basis. And that is how you know he does not care. He has mailed it in this right. entire season. Yeah, the really the last point that I want to make on the broadcast is, first, I would like to do a shout out to Supercross because they they are trying to inspire confidence in their fans. And one of the re- one of the ways that they're trying to do that is weekly if you follow them on Facebook, they've been putting up videos of the broadcast team preparing for the for the race. Now they're they're doing it in the rears. So they'll do uh on like Thursday, they'll release the video of them preparing for Arlington. Not sure why they do that. But, Probably to keep guys like us from criticizing them. Exactly. So um, so kudos for doing that. The problem is if you actually spend any time watching them do this, first of all, contract. we'll do some contrast here. Preparation for broadcasters for an NFL game, they're literally doing it all week long. They're working with the production crew. They're working with statisticians who are compiling all of the stuff that they want to talk about. As far as relevant stats, they're talking to the players on the teams. Right, they're make they're they're rehearsing the names of the players. So, or or if they're not sure what they are, they'll asking. contact the player and ask them how they want them to pronounce it. You're not going to hear every member of their broadcast team saying Cianciarulo a different way every right. time they say it. Every single one of them. Saying every one it of them saying it differently. So, kudos kudos for trying to inspire confidence, um, but. There is, there's nothing behind it. It's empty. It's empty there. And and those videos, I have a feeling that's really the extent of. If you have to show us how hard you're working and preparing, I think you're putting more effort into that than actually preparing and working. Exactly. And I, I just, that to me is, at the end of the day, there's just no extra effort put into putting out a quality broadcast. Right. Other than just, hey, look, we're showing races and we're saying things about them. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the extent of it. So, that's this week's broadcast fails. Um, just a lot of the the more of the same. Way to go, guys! You're you're really racking up yeah. the points. You've here. plateaued and you're suck. Yeah. <laughs> right? I guess does that mean you can't get much worse? I guess they could <laughs> if they fired Will or Will stopped showing up for some reason. It would get infinitely worse. Yeah, Daniel's been better. Uh, Daniel's been okay. He has his moments. Um, I think Daniel does put in the work. I think so too. Um, Daniel, Daniel, and Will do put in the work. 
Um, Daniel in the past has not put in the work. So I'm wondering if just his pure exposure to Will yeah, has maybe made... he's just gotten better. And like, oh, that's how you're supposed to do this. So yeah. no, he's been great. He's actually been really good this season. Yeah. Um. It's it's the booth guys at this point. That, they're that, awful. They're, they're just god awful. So, uh, let's put that aside. Let's talk about the actual races. Arlington, man, this track was wild. Wild. <laughs> so the um the dirt itself was great, oh, which is so good. Which is um probably a little bit different from last week. Last week, the dirt, I, I mean, we talked about that. There was a lot of different textures. Yeah. Um, this week, the really the only place where the track broke down was in the whoops. Everything else was pretty much solid. Yeah, uh, I thought the track held up really, really well. It didn't get too rutted. Right. It, it, you know, you had the, enough lines created to kind of, you know, get the ruts you want on a track, but it really didn't get torn up all that much. Yeah. Um, a lot of great passing opportunities in this. And what was awesome about this track to me was most of the passing opportunities came during straightaways in those crazy rhythm sections. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, it was passing in the turns as well, but... It was more important to set yourself up in the right spot on the turns for the rhythm section than it was to make a pass in the turns. Or at least, you know, use the rhythm sections to get yourself in a position to make a quick inside turn. But really, you had to make a block pass if you were doing it that way. Because if you went to the inside on any of these turns, you had no momentum for the next rhythm section. And these rhythm sections were brutal in a great way. Like, they were were technical. They were um, long really long right they like went around the whole outside of the track i absolutely loved 95 percent of this track i thought it made for great racing it made for um multiple lines multiple rhythm choices interesting passing options yeah and aggressive riding yeah uh, uh definitely on the aggressive riding um i agree with you the the best passing opportunities um were definitely in straightaways um which is different because normally that's not the way that it is. Uh, this track highlighted the immaturity of the younger riders. For sure. Because of the passing opportunities being in the straightaways and not in the turns, which forced the immature riders to force those passes that weren't necessarily there in the turns. And if you watch the races, you saw the result of that. And we'll get to that once we get into the 450s. I mean, but the... Uh, I agree with you. Like 95% of this track was awesome. Um, I think the biggest throwaway was the whoop section. As always. And, you know, this is so I finally brought this up today. And I, I really want to find out what people think. Because for me, if I never saw another whoop section on a supercross track, it wouldn't bother me at all. And I get how, how challenging they're supposed to be and, and how technical they are in there. And it's, you know, it's helps separate the better riders from the not and i completely understand that but we are talking about the whoop sections every single week and it's usually not in a good way right this was an over 200 foot straight whoop section yeah it was like 18 19 jumps in it there. was brutal it slowed everybody down by the time it wore down they were either jumping through it or they were just riding in the rut to try to get, you know, through as quick as possible. Like, it wore down so much. These guys were just riding in that rut so that they weren't <laughs> jumping. It wasn't even a whoop section anymore. It was just a straight at that point. Right. Um, I don't 
I think they need to shorten these and put them in different spots. Put them coming out of a turn just before a rhythm section. But have like five or six, right? Four or five tops. Not, not 18 or not 19. Not 18 or 19. This is ridiculous. And it's not fun to watch. And it's not fun for them to ride. Because you know every single one of them comments on it all the time. Right. So put it or have a rhythm in it straight where you go rhythm, small four or five whip section, a double into a turn. Right. Mix it into some rhythms. I'm okay with that. If you do it that way, I think that it you know increases the challenge in certain ways. But stop with this full on 200 foot straightaway or what was it? Uh, either two weeks ago, last week, where they had it was whoops 180 whoops for a full for like two full straights right. back to back were whoops and it's like dudes, we don't want to see that. We want to see interesting rhythms in passing. Right. Yeah, and I understand where they're coming from with putting these whoops in here. Like you said, they want to separate the you know the great riders from you know the so-so riders but the problem is here that they've gone so overboard especially with this week and this is this is the second time where they've had a, a whoop section this long this year and it happened both times was it anaheim two was the, it was one of the anaheim one of the anaheim ripping yeah. it apart for how bad yeah. it was but um you know you want to separate the great riders but by the end of the night even the great riders were jumping their way through the whoops. So what are you doing to separate them at that point? Right. And and at that point, you're just diluting your product. Right. And and it's not it's not fun and it's not interesting. Um, so that's my biggest complaint with that track. I think a track like that typically would favor some of the more technical riders. Right. Right. Like um, rock. That was that was my original thought. Was as soon as I saw the amount of rhythm in this. That um, Roxon would have an advantage. I thought Web too. Web too. Web's a very, good, very good in like rhythm heavy kind of tracks. Right. Uh, we both thought that Tomac would struggle a little bit. Yeah. With a track like this, um, I think the biggest thing right now is Tomac has one started to figure out his starts, and he's got a lot of confidence he's riding with right now. So he was able to overcome that, and he's able to muscle through the whoops. So that was the other thing we had talked about, and I thought was a really interesting. Um, aspect to the whoops right was how it separated some of the maybe less physically gifted and more technical riders from the like pure athlete conditioned hard-working riders because when you did mess up in the whoops you did get slowed down or you were tired the only technical riders who may be less physically gifted struggled way more right whereas somebody like tomac who has that that physical strength and conditioning just power so there was a particular one we'll get to in the 450s that i'm that we both are thinking of yeah he could um, just manhandle the bike yeah and, and so that's the other part is i think that puts the uh someone like cooper webb at a disadvantage because he's a smaller rider, right. he maybe isn't as like physically gifted as someone like a uh, Eli Tomac or even a Malcolm or Stewart, right? We talk about Malcolm Stewart right. and the whoops. Well, that's probably that's a big reason why. Yeah, he, he's, he's a monster. He's a monster of a human being, you know. So even Roxon, I mean Roxon, like no homo, but <laughs> you know Roxon takes his shirt off, and obviously he spends a lot of time in the gym, and it shows with when he makes mistakes, he's able to physically. Um, compensate for those mistakes. Sure. So, um, yeah, if they had if they had just shortened those whoops a little bit, maybe add another crazy rhythm. I thought I think that would have been the perfect track. Because other than that, it was my it's probably my favorite track so far this year. San Diego was up there as well, um, but it's definitely 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 uh, made for some awesome races, especially yeah. with the triple crown. Right. Yeah, the triple crown I think created uh, most of the interest last night, and it's because of the shorter races. 
Um, but yeah, two fifties, two fifties. Let's jump into those fifties. Uh, well, quick news. Um, uh, I guess we can get it to with the four fifties, but, uh, web is okay. For yep. those who have not looked it up yet. Um, nasty, nasty crash in the second race last night. Like to the point where I thought he's had like a broken back or a broken tailbone or something. Yeah. It didn't uh, look good. It was a hematoma. Um, he could be back as early as this week. Um, no broken bones or anything. I would imagine like he's probably going to try to push to come back this week because he's still in the championship running. Right. But if he's smart, he'll take a week off. Like right. that was a nasty crash. Yeah. I, it, I understand he doesn't have any broken bones, but he's got bone bruise in there. And if you've ever had a bone bruise, it's it, it definitely limits your motion. And if you're a professional rider, you don't want your motion limited. Especially a technical rider yeah. like him. And he's that's just it's going to put him at further risk of injury if he pushes it too much. So it, it, What's unfortunate is that he had injected himself back into the championship running. Yeah. And then now that pretty much takes it. Because even if he races this week, you can't expect a great result from him. He's going to be hurting. So um, that's unfortunate for the intrigue of the championship. Um, but it's definitely fortunate that he's okay. Right. Uh, the other rider, 92, Sanserulo. Yeah. Uh, three to six weeks at least with a broken clavicle that he suffered in qualifying. Didn't even get to race last night. Went down the exact same spot yeah. in qualifying that Webb did. It was on the it Dragon's was off that Back. Dragon's Back, right? Which I thought was an awesome section of the track. Right. But two guys and they, got hurt. they basically did the exact same thing. They both ended up on their front tire, um, endoing all the way to the face of that next that next one. Problem was, um, Webb ended up hitting a tough block, which catapulted him off of his bike, and he ended up hitting a concrete off the track. Which you'd think would be worse, but he ended up walking. Well, right. not he actually didn't walk away from it, but he's going to walk away from yeah. it. Whereas Sanzarulo went into the face of the next jump, right, and broke his collarbone. Um, so just some injury updates there. Um, Sanzarulo doesn't wasn't going to have an effect on the championship, other than he probably could have gotten a win by the end of the season because he's just been. He had been getting so much better every single week. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing for him is that just stunts his growth a little bit. Yeah. I mean, three to six weeks, he'll have a few races at the end of the season. If it's if it's the full six, he'll definitely be able to come back and hopefully get back to a point where he's competing again. I this point, I don't know that he gets a win this year. Um, but, you know, that's got to be a lesson learned for him. That's unfortunate. Yep. So... Um, anyway, now we can go. I'm sorry. Now we can go on to the 250s. I wanted to get the news out of the yeah, way because that was a good was, injury report. Um, well, so, not good, but, you know, right. Glad yeah, we got to it. Glad we got to it. Uh, 250s were that first 250 race was a brawl. <laughs> brawl. What did you say? <laughs> you said Supercross WWE yeah, or yeah, something? Su- uh, Re- Supercross WrestleMania or yeah, something like that. Supercross <laughs> WrestleMania. That's what it was. Dude, that first race, everybody was just flying into everybody. Yeah. It was insane. It wasn't just Hampshire. Like, there was a few riders. McElrath did it. Yep. Um, there was a few riders that took guys high. I think March, just... March Banks did. And that's that's kind of what I was talking about with the highlighting of the immature riders. Um and not necessarily on the people making the pass, but also the people getting past. Yes. Um, it was a theme throughout the night with the 250s. Um, people taking inside lines in turns, taking people high, and the riders being passed, not checking up. Right. And ending up off the track in the case of um, Smith. Yeah, he went flying. He flying. saved it, though. Yeah, he did. He, did. he didn't go down, but he went off the track. And ended up riding up the berm of another turn somewhere yeah. off the, the side of the track. Who he had a rough night, but um, 
it happened with uh, Hampshire, Hampshire into onto Sexton, into Sexton, and then um, Hampshire did it again on Smith, I think, in, yeah. the, in the third, in the third um, main. Um, so, yeah, there was uh, there. There seems to be this theme with these younger riders, um, and it's been in East and West. We've seen it both yeah. both sides. This this uh, this unwillingness to check up when the when there is a clear pass being made yeah so there's one or two things that that seem to be happening with this right so first of all i want to get this out there i thought that hampshire's first pass on sexton was aggressive but clean um i do not see it i did not think that was like a uh ferrandis type of just flying into somebody yes he went in hard he went in really hot but if you watch the replay uh, first of all, Sexton took a more inside line than I think anybody's expecting him to. He, he looked like he was going to go outside. Right. And when when Hampshire realized that, you see his his wheels lock up. He hit the brakes hard. He was trying not to ride into him. He just, at that point, he locked up and skidded into him, kind of took him out. Um, but I thought that was as aggressive as you could get without being dirty. So I want to make sure that was, I don't think that was dirty at all. I think that was good, hard, aggressive riding. Sexton needs to be situationally aware of the riders around him. And when you see that happening, make an adjustment. Yeah. He could have continued to the outside, you know, uh, Hampshire could have taken him out high and at that point, check up. Yeah. You have to know what's going on around you. Yeah, you really do. And it, it wasn't just Sexton. Um, there was many other riders that that this has happened to. Smith did it twice. Smith did it right? twice. Like it, and the thing with Smiths was they were even more obvious, right? Yeah. Like that, there was no. You could make the case that Hampshire came in so hot he kind of came out of nowhere. I guess you could make that case. I think Sexton still needs to be aware. But with Smith, like there was plenty, plenty of time for him to make an adjustment to check up to do whatever he needed to do, and he just flat out didn't. He just kept trying to push through his line and ended up getting taken out and pushed off the track. Right. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I like gave it a play by play. I was like, I see you, I feel you, I'm still going for yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> right. um, that is definitely. I agree a hundred percent. The the youth and immaturity of some of the 250 riders who just have not yet learned that it's better to just check up. And I mean, we saw in the 450s, it's okay if you stay up and don't get taken out and just check up and let the pass happen. You can make a come, you can, you can make come back. a pass back. It happens several times in the 450s. Especially when you're being taken high. There was some of some of these if Sexton had gone outside, let's be honest here. If Sexton had gone outside there and gotten a drive into the, that next rhythm section, there's no way that that pass by Hampshire is sticking. Not at all. No, because Hampshire had to stop so quickly cuz he came into that turn so so he flew to the inside. If Sexton checks up and cuts underneath him, he gets the drive, but also he is just immediately making the pass back. He can probably go in front of Hampshire and make the block. And probably gaps him big time. And then gaps him because of how much Hampshire had to slow down. Yeah. Um, 100%. That's just, you need to learn those lessons, right? And that's that's where you learn those lessons yeah. is 250. So That's exactly. Um, so Hampshire ends up taking the first main. Yep. Um, Sexton takes the second one, and then McElrath takes the third one. So three guys that we expect to be up up top. Um, I thought that the second two were far less fireworks. The second two mains, there yeah. were far less fireworks. Things kind of had settled into where they got to be. Hampshire uh, really did not perform as well <laughs> in the second team. I mean, he he still wrote, had a great night. He finished up on the podium yep. um, where we expected him to be after after last week. Uh, 
I just after that first main, I really thought he could run away with it. But right. Sexton and McElrath had something to say about that. Yeah, Hampshire took a first, a sixth, and a third, um, to come in third overall. And really, that third main, the third that he took in the third main, uh, there really wasn't a chance. I mean, he had a little bit of he had to kind of push up to that third, and by that point. Sexton and McElrath had checked out. Yeah. Uh, those two were just flat out gone. And, yeah, and they were like nine seconds ahead of them. And when they got their starts, they were the fastest riders on the track. So, yeah. you know, Hampshire benefited from them not getting those starts in the first race. I still think he belongs in that top three, but I think I right agree. now it's clear McElrath and Sexton are the two to beat. Yeah. Um, Hampshire definitely. So, first of all, I will say Hampshire is my guy in the 250. East. For sure. Um, he's just fun to watch. He definitely has a Bam Bam type thing going on here um i'm he, riding my race get out of my way or go down <laughs> exactly <laughs> um he uh he definitely has some things to work on as far as his just his overall ride um and i do agree that as of right now he does belong in that top three but jeremy martin in the next few weeks um is as soon as he starts hitting his stride if he can get into race shape this year um, all of them have problems, not just Hampshire. Uh, Sexton and McElrath both have problems. I think as far as races and overalls go, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I, I, it depends, I guess, on how long Martin takes to get into that like full race form, which he's definitely not in yet, but he's, he's getting closer every single week. Yeah. I thought he had a great, great ride last night, all three races. Yeah. Um, he just looked solid. He's getting his confidence back. He's getting his race conditioning back. And I a hundred percent, he'll be up there making, making waves. But I think, you know, the question is at that point, is it going to be too late? Are, are Sexton and McElrath going to be running away with the points by that set point? Um, yeah, I I think really what's got to happen is he within the next week or two he's really going to make a move up top and he's got to hope that Chase or um Shane have a bad have a bad uh run. So, so uh just in the point standings right now, I think I think we talked about pretty much everything worth talking about in 250s. Yeah. You want to just go straight to the points? Yep. All right. So um, in the point standings right now, we actually have a shared red plate in the 250s, which is pretty cool. Um, we By got- the way, Ricky Carmichael did not know that a tie for the points lead in the season meant both riders get the red plate. Yeah, we'll just He's- tack that on to the broadcast oh, fails. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to mention that. That was the highlight of that. He's I think I think uh I think Sexton gets it cuz he won the most recent note and then Ralph had to credit him like no Ricky they they both they get both it. Get they it, they yeah. share the red plate. That's how it works. Yeah. I knew that dude. <laughs> and I'm not getting paid for this yet. <laughs> so um so first they have um they have them listed 1 and 1 2. I'm not sure and I'm not sure why they do that, but um, at 49 points, you've got Chase Sexton and Shane McElrath tied for the number one spot. They're both going to have the red plate coming in. Nine points down, you have Jeremy Martin. So he's he's not out of it, but he's got to make some moves to um, – basically, he's got to stay in front of them. Yeah. Uh, he can't let them get away with it as he's getting – right into back into race shape because he 100 percent can compete with this yeah i think he he's he's got the talent he needs to get back into it but he can't let them get too far away before he right. does that so you're right i think in the next week or two he's got he's got to get like 
one a one two and have McElrath and Andor Sexton finish right. behind him. If they have if McElrath and Sexton go one two in either order again this week, then I'm I'm pretty sure Martin's out of it. Um, and then where's Hampshire right now? Hampshire is two points down from Martin in fourth with 38 points. So he's 11 back of the points leaders? That is correct. And then we have uh, in fifth, Garrett Marchbanks, who is actually, uh, I've been pretty impressed with him. He is one point back from RJ Hampshire. Definitely a rider to watch out for yep. uh, moving forward in the next season. Um, then we have Joey Crown. Joey Crown in number six spot. He's got 31 points overall. He looked really good yesterday. Yeah. He was so the the biggest thing that he impressed me about him yesterday was how tough he was to pass. So he got a great start yeah, up front, and eventually he got shuffled back, which is back closer to where he probably belongs right now. Yeah, he's young. But he put up a fight every single time somebody tried to pass him, and I thought that was awesome. He came right back at him, or he fought it, or he tried to make the block, or whatever it was. Like he did not just roll over and let these just because of oh look. That's Chase Sexton. Let me just roll over and let him pass me and get on his heels. Like, no, I'm going to stop you from making the pass and take you back. And I just was really, really impressed with how he rode yesterday. Yeah. He, um, I think he's one He's one of the youngest guys on the track. Um, but he rode like a like a vet yesterday. Like, he was riding well beyond his years. And it was it was very nice to see. It'll be, int- it'll be interesting to see, Steve. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think he showed more maturity in his track awareness and his riding style than some of the other actual vets you know right. veterans on the track yeah yesterday. he didn't he didn't fall into any of those traps that um some of these riders who've been riding for a couple of years now have so right now after two races we have chase sexton winning one and shane McElrath winning one obviously they're both tied who from what you have seen would you take if you had to pick right now to win this 250 East after having watched two races, who are you taking, Sexton or McElrath? If you had to pick one of the two. Man. It's close, right? Like it is. <laughs> it's very close. It's very close. And it, it, it really comes down to um, the tracks, I really feel. Um, so I'm going to go with McElrath. Mac- and I, I, I bite slightly, yeah, very slightly. And I think the reason is he is riding like somebody lit a fire under him this year. Sexton looks great, and he looks as fast as you would expect the defending champ to be. Um, something about the way McElrath is riding. I think Sexton benefited a little bit from the format yesterday yep. with a triple crown. Um, but look how I mean McElrath came back hard and strong and and looked great in that last main. I it's slight, it's so slight, but I've got to give it to McElrath. He is he's riding with fire right now and a lot of confidence. Yeah, um, I think stylistically, um, Sexton has a more um, he's a, he has more of just a balls to the wall type of riding style, whereas McElrath is a little bit more in the pocket. Um, and different tracks are just going to favor those two different approaches very differently. So I think it's it's really the way that it is right now. They have a shared number plate. It's really going to come down to the track and which, which one it, works out better. And for it really them. could come down to just the back and forth that we're, we've been seeing with, you know, uh, Tomac and Roxon in the 450 of just these two just trading blows and see who comes out standing yeah. at the end of the season, which is super exciting for us. Yeah. So... So yeah, I the last person that I want to mention in number seven spot is Jordan Smith, who had a really really rough day yesterday. Um, with 20, I said that poor points. guy 
at least six many times. times. Yeah. <laughs> like just that poor guy. So he's uh, in seventh with twenty eight points. So he's he's twenty one points down from the lead already. Um so he he'll probably play some upset at some point in the season because he's just yeah. that he's he's a good rider. Um, but as far as championship goes, uh, it's pretty much sealed up for luck him. Luck is a part of the game. Not a huge part, but luck is a part of the game. And boy, has he had some bad luck yeah. so far. So just he, it's already taken him out of the running. Just just sheer bad luck. Yep. And a little bit of, you know, immature riding. Agreed. So uh, that'll do it for the, four, uh, the 250s. Let's get into the big boys right after we take a break. Take take a break. Take take, take tack, a, or tack, tack a break. We're gonna take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say this now: the premier class, I think, has officially been put on notice. I think Eli is very very close to starting to run away with this thing. And it's not that he was that dominant last night. He just he was a great ride. He ended up, um, you know, taking the last two wins in the second two mains. Did you listen to him? Did you listen to him talk? Did you see him? The way he rode, he's got some confidence right now, and boy, is that scary. He's got two in a row, and when you we talked about it, right? We've said this weeks ago. If he starts getting on a streak like we've seen him go on, it could be over quick. It, we could see him wrap this thing up in the next, not officially, obviously, but you know, more or less in the next four or five races if he keeps riding like this. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not happy about it. Yeah, my my Bam Bam hopes are slowly fading. <laughs> slowly. Slowly. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tomac, he looked he, confident. Um, and in Supercross especially, I think that's the first time that I can – that I can sincerely say that he has had the red number plate and looked confident. Can't remember right, a the time. two things at the same time. Right. Yeah. Can't remember the last time that that he's looked or great if that's at, ever happened. Yeah. I mean, he's looked great chasing the red number plate at times. The Dungey year comes to mind. Like he just rattled off wins like nobody's business and made it made that a race that it should not have been right. by by uh, racing that well. Um, he has trouble keeping the red number plate when he gets it. And I think yesterday was the statement he needed to make. If he had finished second, third, fourth, whatever it is, and Roxon got the win and the overall and took the red number plate back, crushed. He's yep. crushed. And we're right back to where we were. I'm not going to lie. It looked pretty rocky in main one. It did. And, and we actually <laughs> mentioned it, right? I'm like, oh, uh, Tomac. Again. You could just see the red number plate sitting on his shoulders weighing him yeah. down. Um but to his credit, he got it together, and he really, without question, was the fastest rider on the track for the second two mains. Yeah, um, and rightfully won both of those. So um, let's go through the results here, um, and I want to go through the top six with one honorable mention. Sure. Um, or dishonorable mention. <laughs> um, so we had uh, obviously number one. Eli Tomac. Uh, we just kind of went through the way he rode. Um, main two and three. Did you really have a question that there he was, was going to no win? Doubt. No. There, when, you, when you see Eli riding the way he's riding, starting in the top three to five, it, to me it's a matter of time before he makes passes and wins the race. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that the competition people don't want to see right. in this race. Yeah. Even when Anderson got out front, he got in front of Osborne in the in the main three, 
it was just it was a matter of time until Tomac caught up. Can we talk about how awesome that third main was, by the way? Because those four riders were like one, two, three, four within like a a bike length or two of each other for at least the first third, if not almost half of that race. Yeah, they were all right there. It was Anderson, Osborne, uh, Roxon, and Tomac. Osborne, sorry, Osborne Osborne was first for a while. Anderson made the pass, and then. Tomac took a little longer than I think he wanted to to get around Roxon, which it's Ken Roxon. Okay, that's that's kind of you know expected. Um, and we thought, oh man, now he's going to get around Osborne. And I'm thinking like maybe Anderson kind of runs away with this because Osborne is a difficult. And then no, no, right? Tomac got right around Osborne, went straight after Anderson, ended up making the pass on him. Um, well, Roxon got him back first. Yeah, so that right, we talked about yeah. how awesome this track was for allowing people to come back because of where the passing lines were. Right. Yeah, Tomac got in front of uh Roxon and Roxon said, I don't think so. And um in the very It was the next rhythm section. The next rhythm section. It was so Tomac made the turn made the pass in the turn, going into the turn. Going into it, he was like landing in front of him, he kinda of to the inside, but again, when you cut to the inside you lose speed. And Roxon went high, got the drive going into the next rhythm section, and then took him back. Took him right back. So, um, so that was that was really fun to watch because that and that wasn't the only the only time that it looked like that was going to happen. Um, Anderson did it to Anderson, Roxon too. Anderson did it to Roxon, and it looked like Anderson almost he screwed up the rhythm section, but he almost did it to Tomac. Yep. When Tomac made the pass for first, um, the they were coming into that. I think it was the same rhythm section that uh, Roxon made the pass back on Tomac. Yeah, that was a great. That whole section was where a lot of passes happened yeah. yesterday. And uh, so, th- yeah, that main three. There was just so much shuffling, especially up front. It's just normally you don't see that. Right, the shuffling happens like three to six. You right. know what I mean? And this was one through four was getting shuffled. It was really, really fun to watch. The pass backs and the passes. And there was still, I think, in the back of my head, I knew that Tomac was eventually going to kind of you know, work his way to the front and kind of st- stay right. up there. Um, but you never know because in that pass, pass back, pass, pass back, and then have to pass Osborne and then have to pass this guy. Maybe he goes down. Maybe this happens. Maybe he gets ri- ridden off the track for a little bit. And now, you know, so you never know, um, which is what made that so exciting. Right. Uh, it was awesome, awesome third main. Um, so we had Tomac. Yep. Tomac finished uh, 5 1 1 for the. By the uh, way, that 5 came after starting in 11th. Yeah. So uh, he, even when he had that rough start and we had that thought of like, he oh, still made his way through, he, he turned it up and he was on fire and pushed up to, to fifth, which is the advantage of the main, um, the, uh, the, of triple, the crown. triple crown. Cause whereas you would think, excuse me, where you would think that the, because the, the races are shorter, that they have less time to make their way through the pack. If you get a bad start, because everybody is flying, the intervals between the riders, especially in the first couple, well, I'm sorry, throughout, basically throughout the entire um, race, the intervals between the riders are less yep. because everybody's going so much faster. Yeah, everybody's packed in a little bit to get more together. There's not as much time to get the field spread out a little bit. Right. Um, I so, think I think Tomac would have had a, a, a decent comeback had that been just the main yeah. Either way, he he just he looked like he was on it yesterday. So the bad start, notwithstanding. Now we talked about his starts a little bit too. Real before we move on from Tomac. Yep. Um, 
after that first main, I was like, crap, maybe the start last week was a fluke. Two out of three is really not bad. He he had great, great good to great starts in both mains, sec, both of the second mains. I think he has figured something out with his starts that at the very least will make him more consistent, if not all the time up front. You yeah. know, like if he gets one eh start out of every three going forward, he's going to be fine. Yeah, agreed. So moving on, the number two spot for the night. Um, we had Ken Roxon. His positions were one seven two. Really rough second main. Really rough. So there was there was a point in the first main where um, I was like, "This is going to be a repeat a, a repeat triple crown. He's going to take all three of them." And I'll tell you when my mind changed on this in the after race interview of main one. He started talking about something bothering him something physically bothering him yeah he said i just my body doesn't feel great i was really uncomfortable right. out there that is that is a roxon of old um common yeah the old roxon crept through there and then as soon as soon as i heard that i was like oh Uh-oh. he's not winning this one that was that was when that was when the doubt crept in for me for Roxon. To his credit, he he pulled off a second overall, and he pulled, looked right. really really good in that last main. Right, not quite you know Tomac level good, and I think Anderson really looked really good too. But making the pass backs and just not giving up, and then fighting his way higher and higher, ended up you know coming in with the number two uh, at, at the end. I thought he he bounced back better than he has in the past too. So yes, yeah. old Roxon showed through, but new Roxon came back right. in that third main. And he did exactly what he needed to do and absolutely no more in order to make sure that Tomac didn't start running away with this. Sure. Yeah, he if you're going to lose to Tomac, you need to be directly behind right. him and that's what he did. The so, thing with Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. The thing uh with with Roxon that I've started to notice a little bit the thing that I think is going to be his Achilles heel moving forward, he's been able to cover this up. He is so good at starts. Like, he is always starting up front. And when he starts up front, man, is he good at running away with it or at least sticking with with the front runners. He's, yeah. If he starts up front, he's going to podium ten times, nine times out of ten unless he goes down. Roxon, unlike Tomac, has a lot of trouble fighting through the pack. Yes. That is his Achilles heel. If he starts in seventh or eighth, or ninth, or other parts of earlier in the season, that he was back in like fourteenth. He really doesn't have that drop the hammer and just make passes like nobody's business that we've seen guys like Tomac and even Webb. I've seen Webb makes have some crazy comebacks. You know, starting in tenth and suddenly he's in third, and you're like, when did that happen? Right. Roxon doesn't seem to be able to drop the hammer when he's back, and I think it's because he gets in his own head. He's frustrated at the bad start or whatever it may be, and just thinks maybe this isn't my night. And he just maybe he'll slowly work his way up a little bit. You know, pick off a rider here, a rider there, a rider there. That seventh and that second main, I didn't think needed to be a seventh. If he had dropped the hammer, he probably could have pulled off at least a fifth. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with his riding style. He's definitely more of, of a finesse rider. Sure. Um, and I think that uh, it, it goes beyond just his his way of riding. It's uh, it, it goes to his, uh, his chance-taking opportunities. Like, even like he's, he's just not willing to take those chances, whereas Tomac, Tomac gets into the spot. He's like, I've got a, I see the opportunity right there. And he I'm takes grabbing it. it. And he takes it. Yep. 
It's a it's a definitely a big difference. It's probably personality, to be totally honest. I think a personality probably has a huge part to play in that. Um, I just for me, that's rough when you're talking about someone like Roxanne winning a championship over the course of a seventeen race season. Um, how we've talked about how many times you don't win championships on your best days. You win championships on your worst days, right? They've all said it. Ricky has said it. McGrath has said it, right? When you're not feeling it, when you have a rough start, when your leg hurts and you're sick and you're tired and you're just not motivated, you still need to pull out a fifth. You still need to pull out a fourth overall. And what I'm starting to see with Roxon is, does he have the ability to do that on a bad day when maybe he doesn't get a start or maybe he goes down early? Right, he gets his start. He's running out front. He goes down early. Something happens, and he drops back to seventh or eighth. Can he salvage the fourth or the fifth, or is he going to stick in sixth or seventh? Because right. if he sticks in sixth or seventh, I think that's the difference between him winning his championship and not. Right, absolutely agree. Um, I think at the end of the day, what's really going to happen here if Tomac, if Roxon wants to stick with Tomac, Roxon's got to get a start in like the next two, both of the next two weeks. Roxon, he's got to, yeah, he's got to get out front and he's got to just set sail, because that's that's how Roxon wins. Roxon wins by getting the start, staying out front, not having to worry about passing anybody, and just setting sail. And he's got to do that for two weeks in a row. I agree. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't, if Eli wins in the next two weeks, if he wins both, first of all, for sure. Yeah. But if he wins one of the next two and finishes like a second or third in the next one, I. Yeah, man. All right, hang on. <laughs> it's, let's go through. It's, it's all right. We'll get to the big picture after. <laughs> yeah. the, let's go through the rest let's, of the standings. All right. So then after, I'm Roxon, just getting excited. I know, I know. It's it's starting to heat up, which is good. Well, I'm not even starting to heat up. It's been on fire all season long, which is awesome. It's been one of my favorite seasons so Supercross season so far. So in third place yesterday, we had Jason Anderson, and he went with a three, a two, and a five. Ended up on the podium. Going through main number two, what did I say? He <laughs> said there's a chance if, like, somebody goes down or something happens that, like, Anderson defaults into a win. Well, no, this. I mean, the, the there was a very real chance. All he had to do was finish. <laughs> Nobody had to go down. He no, just that's had to the fin- outside. Yeah, they're going. Yeah. All he had to do was finish in front of both, <laughs> both Tomac and Roxon because he had the lead going into the third main. I was like, he's going to win this by default, <laughs> which <laughs> he almost did. He almost did. He, almost he was in did. position. He just let it go. And um, I mean, Tomac wasn't going to be stopped in that third. Main. No. Um, and even if Anderson didn't go down and he had finished, say, second, um, they're tied in points. Tied. And then Tomac wins on the winning the third main right. event. So um, he, he ends up going away with it anyway. But that's still a second for Anderson. He kind of threw away the second place. And he said it in the in the post-race interview. I think he knew he wasn't getting the overall, even though he was right there. Yeah, you know, he kind of knew Eli was on a roll, and he said he's like, I kind of threw away second place, not not a chance at first. He said I threw away second place when he went right. down, but he still salvaged a podium, which is something we haven't seen much from him this year. Yeah, so it was nice of him to show up to the season. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, Jason. <laughs> well, well, welcome, Jason. Um, yeah, I, he gave a great post race interview just, as he normally so does so happy to be here just like you know manner. yeah no i could have won but i'll take a third you know it's you just, know, just been, out here just having, having a good, a good time, time. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. um yeah <laughs> <laughs> then we had um in fourth place justin barsha 
454. Um, that's basically where he belongs. I 100%. And I think I'm glad you've come around. Yep. Um, I, I, I really am. And it's not that he doesn't have the chance to compete with some of these guys, you know, occasionally here and there, but he just doesn't have the consistent level of top tier speed to keep up with this championship race at this point. Yeah. And I wonder why that is. I often wonder the difference between, because, um, you know, Barsha and Tomac are both on factory rides. Maybe we'll spend some time talking about this in the off season. Sure. Um, cause we talked about the difference between a factory rider and a non-factory rider over the, the course of this last off season. But what we didn't talk about is the difference between, uh, a factory rider like Tomac and a factory rider like Barsha, um, where there's some training issue, some training uh, differences or some physical differences. I think Barsha, one of Barsha's biggest problems from what I know about him and have seen in interviews is his um, fragile mental state. He, he gets down on himself very easily and the amount of times you've talked about confidence being one of the most important aspects of this sport flat out it's like yes talent and conditioning have to be there your confidence in yourself to make the pass to make the jump to stick the landing to do everything you need to do to compete at this level your confidence has to be there and when you do well your confidence goes up when you do poorly it might take a hit or two who can bounce back from those hits to their confidence to gain it back guys like tomac have proven they're able to do that especially outdoors maybe not so much in indoors lately or in recent years guys like roxon cooper webb has shown that he can build his confidence back up and take hits and keep on trucking. Anderson did it his year. Barsha has not been able to recover from even the slightest. He's a little bit of that Cianciarulo thing, right? Somebody yeah. somebody pressures Cianciarulo in a race, and he suddenly collapses. he just collapses and gets shuffled back. That is Barsha on a macro scale, yeah. right? He get he goes, win. he's got the red number plate, he's on a roll, and like, the, oh, I don't win. Maybe I have a bad start. I finish like in like a fourth or a fifth, and then suddenly I just think his mental state is so fragile, it keeps him from con- – consistently pushing to his limit and his limit is to compete with those guys i i had 100 think he has the speed to be up front with tomac and roxon and webb 100 he doesn't have the mental stability to compete with those guys yeah i and you can see there's these peaks and valleys like through through the season right now he's got so we'll go through the whole season one two nine five six five four four so he's creeping up in confidence just a little bit. But, but you see what happens with that the, ninth? Yeah. That ninth destroyed his... He went one, two. That's as consistent as we've seen him in years. Yeah. And then a ninth, a rough start going down. Suddenly now it's shot and he just hasn't recovered yet. He's getting there. Right. You know, maybe maybe he gets another win this year. I think that would be great for him and his confidence and to see... Uh, he it's just he needs to develop. I don't know how. And I don't know how you train this. I don't know if you can train this, but can you develop some sort of mental fortitude when it comes to something like that? Something that the Webs, Roxons, and Tomacs of the world definitely have. Yeah, I don't know. Xanax, maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe spending more time with Anderson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. What does Anderson do before the races, dude? How are you like so not down on yourself after doing so? What? It's all right, it's man. It's all right, man. You just have some fun, man. Hey, you, know you want to go surfing? Yeah, right. Come hang out with me before the race, man. Yeah. <laughs> so um, then after Barsha, we had in the fifth position, Zach Osborne. And Zach went 743. 
He had a rough start or rough first main. Um, he, overall, though, he rode really well last night. Yeah, he's starting I, to look like the Osborne we expected to see in main three. It actually looked to me for a little bit. I was like, "Are these guys gonna get around him?" It like he he was riding a really wide bike first of all. Anderson Anderson flat out couldn't get past him, um, and he was just riding really well. I mean, he ended up. He ended up um, he grabbed a third because Anderson ended yeah. up going so down. It would have been fourth, right? Uh, had Anderson stayed up, but he he just overall he rode really well um, yesterday. Uh, moving on, let's go to the number six spot. We had Justin Hill. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about him is because he had flashes last night where it looked like he could have won any won, single one of those any races. one of those races. He was. At points, looked like the second fastest rider on the track. At yeah, the game. but there was actually points when he looked the fastest. Yeah, let's be honest. Like he could have kept up with Tomac, had he just maybe been a little bit more consistent with the starts and not gone down in the third main. He might have podiumed last night. And I thought, like, this is a guy that I know just from research is supremely talented on a bike. This guy knows how to handle a bike. I would really, really like to see him develop into a like top tier rider. And he flashed. The overall speed and talent last night, if he can start putting it together, that'd be a name that I would love to talk more about because he's a really good guy too. If yeah. you ever watch, he's just a just super awesome guy, very Anderson-like in his like laid-back chillness. Um, so, But you're right. He looked at points like he was the fastest rider on the track last yep. night, and that was impressive. He uh, qualified first, by the way. So qualified at number one, one point, he was the fastest rider on the track. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, he went a 6-3-8. So the crash in the third, and so he, that that podium in the second one helped, and he looked like he was on his way to another one in the third main until yeah. he went down. Yep. Um, yeah, because he was going to catch up to. Um, yeah, he when he went down, he was in fourth, and I think he was on his way to third. He was moving up. Yeah, when he went down for sure. Right. He and was I not think, getting shuffled back. No, and I think Tomac was behind him when he went down. Yes, and Tomac actually went past him when he went down. Yep. Um. And it did not look like Tomac was going... It looked like Tomac was going to follow him to the front. Right. Yeah. It, it was really impressive. I know, I'm know. i definitely glad we did the honorable mention there because not not a guy oh. we talk a whole lot about. But. Nope. That was just my last spot. We've got a oh. dishonorable mention after this. Uh-oh. <laughs> dishonorable mention in the 10th position, Blake Baggett this with guy. a 10-8-13 and started in front... How many times did he crash last night? Enough. Two or three to make times. It noticeable. Yeah, I think it was two. So um, he started out front. Every race? Every single race. Here's the thing about Baggett. Here's a guy we know. One, his starts are incredible. He might be at least top one or two, three at the worst in the whoops. Like, the dude in the whoops is, Wow. Which okay. is weird because in years past he's been one of the best in the whoops. No, no, no. That's that's oh, sorry. That's what I'm trying to say. A, overall, last night not so much. Right. Um, overall, Blake Bag actually he made a pass in the whoops yesterday. In the whoops, we were like there it is. That's right. So you're talking about a guy who starts up front is better than almost anybody in the whoops. At least considered one of the best, top three, um, in the whoops. And the guy can just not. String together a good race. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> he is for sure, like, on his best day, no doubt about it, he is in the upper, the upper echelon of these riders here. He's in that top tier on his best day. 
On his, yeah, on, absolutely. No doubt about it. He cannot put it together. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Is All right, here's a question for you. Who of all of these writers is the, and this is going to sound so negative and I don't care, is the biggest waste of potential talent? Because is it bad? I think it might be Baggett. Um, I, I, I Barsha's got to be up there. Dean Wilson. Uh, ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. I would still put Dean behind Baggett. I, for me, it goes Baggett, Dean Wilson. I feel like Dean Wilson, I, I mean, Baggett, Baggett was touted coming out of the 250s because he competed. Um, but Dean Wilson was like, Dean Wilson was touted just like, almost just like Cianciarulo was coming out of the 250s. Yeah. I, I remember you and I were talking about seeing him, excited to see him in the, uh, yeah, he's, the 450s. he has, um, I, he went down last night too. <laughs> of course he did. Um, but he's, he's just somebody who's I mean, struggled I, with injuries. Other names you could put on there Zach Osborne. Yeah. Um, well, I think he, could, he's still, I mean, he's an older rider, but he is still young in his 450 career. Yeah, right. Uh, so, okay, thus far has not. Uh, Barsha. I think Barsha is, the potential for Barsha is so much higher than what he has shown. So I think those are all names. But for me, it's just Baggett because I just, when Baggett flashes, you're like, uh, Good Lord. is he the best rider on the track right, right now? Because he's the best rider on the track right now. <laughs> And then he crashes. And then he crashes. Yeah. Or he just he just disappears and fades into 13th in random races. It's no just idea. weird. For me, he is the number one. Uh, it got to be top for biggest waste of potential talent. Yeah, he's he's one or two for me. Um, so, but he's definitely top three for sure. Oh, my God, yeah. So, great races last night. Oh, man. I was definitely on the edge of my seat for a lot of them. Um, yep. And this season has just been uh, – Wild, wild! Like it's just such an awesome, the, awesome year. The tracks, the riders, um, you know those those aspects of the sport have been just as good as the broadcasts have been bad. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And if they could, if they could just flip that, and if they could just make those broadcasts the top tier quality that we know they should be, um, I don't see any reason this sport doesn't grow exponentially. If we keep getting a product like this year in and year out or something damn close to it, there's no reason this isn't one of the most popular sports on the planet. No, like, it, absolutely it's, not. It's exciting. It, there's parody. There's drama. Um, there's incredible skill and athleticism, which is something we obviously value, in, especially in this country. Right. Um, there's They need to do a better job. Here's one. The personalities are non-existent. The, they're they non-existent. don't let the riders show their personalities right. because they got to spend three quarters of their interview thanking their sponsors. Right. Um, drives me absolutely crazy. Let these guys be themselves. Let these we know who their sponsors are. It's on their uniform. Yep. So let them talk. Let them have a little bit of drama. Roxon was trying. Right. He's doing the suit thing and he's trying to like really class things up and draw attention. And I think that's a start. There needs to be more of it. So. Um, before we jump into the overall standings here, I just wanted to share something because we did put a um, we put a poll up last week uh, discussing the tagline um, and what you guys would uh, if you had any feedback on what we were using for a tagline. But I did come up with a mission statement. Finally, like I've narrowed down the mission. What statement. do we got? So, our mission statement is giving the fans of dirt bike sports access to the sports they love without the filter of sponsors and corporate interests. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we're trying to do. And so uh, the tagline will basically just be a more concise, um, to the point way of saying that. So we're still trying to come up with that. But um, before we start talking more about that, let's jump into the uh, the point standings. Yeah, no, no, I, I was about to go on a tangent, but you're right. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Save standings. it. Save it. Save it. Keep that thought. Yep. Keep that thought. All right. So overall standings, uh, we have the, the red number plate for a second week in a row. Hey. Oh. Uh, Eli Tomac sitting it in the first spot with 181. Then we have number two, Ken Roxon with 174. Then we have number three, Cooper Webb. Still, still in the third spot um, with 155. So yeah, he's 26 down now, and I think that where he was going to finish was probably on or close to the podium. He probably knocks Anderson off the podium at that point because he was riding really well. He yeah. was he was competing for the overall uh, when he went down. So you got to put Webb up there, right? At that point, he's down what 11, maybe maybe 12 points. Um, if he stays up, right, I'm just roundabout number. He's he's down 11 or 12, and we're still talking about a three person race for the championship. Right, um, 26 down now. I I think for me it's just it's down to Tomac and Roxon, which yeah. is awesome. Something I've wanted to see forever. Tomac Roxon battling out for a fourth championship is great, but it, it would have been really cool to see Webb continue injecting himself into that conversation. Yeah, so he he ended up finishing 12th last night. Um, I don't know how many points that yields for him. I guess I could have looked at that, but I already X'd that out. So um, my guess is that that probably would have given him, if he had finished, we'll say fourth. Um, I'm thinking he's probably somewhere in the 167, 68 range. Which About 13 points 13 down. 13 points down, yeah. yeah so exactly. I, at that point, he's still obviously in the conversation for, for the championship, right. right? 26 points now, I think, at this point. He's hurt. He's probably not going to win the next race or two being hurt he's got to salvage what he can it's sorry cooper yep. i think i think your your title defense has come to an end which is an unfortunate way for it to happen because he was really starting to look good i agree um in number four spot we have justin barsha with 154 points who's probably going to be jumping up onto the podium spot by default because of cooper webb's injury um I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this because everybody voted me out. Yo, that poll was exactly (laughs) what I said it was going to be. Everybody's saying it doesn't matter that he's technically officially within points reach of the championship. He is not a contender anymore. And look, if he finishes third, will third be his best ever finish in the championship standings? I have no idea. It's got to be close. If not his best, I mean, you're talking about championships with the Dungies and the Villapotos at yeah. one point. Um, was he? Yeah, no, he might have been 250. Still. I mean, either what, way, regardless, Moose, you're talking about Moosekin's been finishing basically third in the championship for like second or third for so for, that for that's, years. So either that alone knocks out Varsha. Right. So this would be his best championship finish. So good for him. He's having a great season. As much as I rag on him, Varsha is having a solid season. He is fourth in the championship points. Going to be third. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't really finished outside of the top five more than once. He finished outside of the top five twice with the ninth and a sixth. So, the, but the sixth, okay. So the ninth is his worst finish. Sixth and everything else has been top five. I, that's a really good season, man. Yeah. That's he's competing with the best in the world. So 
not to rag on him too much. I just he's not a contender anymore for sure. Right. Um, Anderson, who I do think is going to play spoilers, though he has really no shot at the championship. He's down at 139 points. Um, he's another 15 points down from Barsha, so he is out of it. But um, based off of his performance last night, I do think that he's going to play spoiler. Um, at least knocking one of our top two guys out of a spot that is going to be beneficial for them at some point. In the right. Season. I mean, you, if you're talking about like Tomac rocks in one, two and rocks and needs to, to finish in that second and Anderson comes in and makes a pass. Exactly. Him, you know what I mean? Or, or passes both of them and suddenly shakes things up a little. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think Anderson absolutely has that. Right. He's looked better as the weeks have gone on. He's finally started showing up. Um, or Anderson and Tomac are battling for the number one spot and Tomac's about to make the pass, but Anderson sneezes and just takes Tomac completely out. <laughs> Didn't want to go there. Again, I'm still rooting for Tomac. I don't care if he runs away with this thing, man. I want to see it happen. Um, and we're in danger of that. The, the next two weeks are going to be huge in determining the rest of this season. I think they are the two most pivotal weeks we have had um, thus far in the season because these next two races are going to determine if Roxon can keep Tomac within view and or steal it back from him and let him know you're not running away with this or Tomac starts to run away with it. Yeah. Um, I think one of those two things happens in the next two weeks and that's they're so pivotal. They're so huge, these next two races. It's still close enough that historically... With Tomac having the red plate, the red number plate, it is still close enough where Roxon could realistically take the red number plate next week. Right. And so he needs to make a case for that happening yeah. on, on the track. Like he needs to finish first. I, yeah. I, I don't think a third or a second, even if he finishes in front of Tomac, say he finishes third and Tomac finishes fourth, I don't think that's good enough to convince me. No, yet. but if, if Tomac finishes fourth and Roxon finishes first, now you're talking about they're tied at that point, correct? Nineteen, 19 points and twenty six. Yeah, I, it's a yeah. seven point difference. So that's a that's a two two player two red Roxon number plates. Needs right there. to finish up top next week. I think. Um, I, I think it's pivotal at, in the next race or two. He finishes up top, especially on the podium, but like really in front. Uh, if not, my prediction is Eli starts to to just put some distance between everybody, him and everybody. Yep. Agreed. One thing we know for sure, Steve, it'll it's be, gonna interesting. be interesting to see. <laughs> Damn it, Ricky. Let's talk about, let's look at our predictions from last week. Then right. we'll do some predictions for next week and then we'll get the hell out of here. Um, so last week in the 250s, um, we actually, both of us nailed the podium in who was on it. We were all, we were both wrong. And so it was Sexton, McElrath, Hampshire. Okay. And overall finish, right? Yep. I had McElrath, Hampshire, Sexton. Okay. So um, we actually both didn't give Sexton the credit he deserved. We both had him third. So you had Hampshire, McElrath, Sexton. So you actually just completely flipped the standings. Yep. So, That's exactly uh, what I did. Um, so I don't uh, – we'll call that one a draw. How's that? That one's a draw. Fair. We, we, we drew. Uh, I definitely won 
Uh, the four fifties though, because you did the same thing and you went five four three. Yeah, I, I, I was like, <laughs> let's see what what do I want to see happen as far as the larger picture goes. Not only were you like so far wrong, but two of your riders didn't even compete or finish the race. Oh, that hurts. So, so your predictions were Cianciarulo winning, didn't even start, Barsha in second. Eek. Yeah. And Webb in third, which, look, the Webb thing was probably a good call until he went down. Right. Um, so the only good call you had from those predictions from last week. I was Solid. close uh, with the first two. So I had Roxon winning and Tomac in second. I was giving Roxon the benefit of the uh, triple crown format because of how well he had done in the first one. It looked like I was going to be right. Um, and then Tomac was like, nah, hammer. <laughs> 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 Not son. Nah. And uh, I had Webb third, so obviously we both missed out on that one. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I won the four. You won 50s. that one, yeah. Um, so, but we're getting a little bit better because things are shaken up to the point where, like, we're starting to understand who's who's going to finish where. Yeah. And we're back to normal format next week. We're going to be in Atlanta. Um, I'm going to write down my 250 predictions. Oh, while before you, you even yours. do that, I'm going to go with the exact same prediction so, for the 250s next week. Okay. Um, hold on. Well, you're supposed to wait so that it doesn't influence mine, you jerk. Um, all right. So what I'm going to do is uh, this, this, and that. And then um, – so wait, you're doing the same prediction as last week? Yep. So I got Hampshire number one, McElrath number two, and Sexton in the third spot. Ham, Mac. Ham, Ham, Mac, and sex. sex. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, that's a good night. That is a good night, man. Jeez. um, Ham sandwich, mac and cheese. I'm going to go. (laughs) Dude, some ham, some slices of ham on your mac and cheese. In your mac and cheese and then the sex later. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I had, I'm going to go with mac McElrath, Sexton, Hampshire. Uh, okay. Basically, how almost how they finished yesterday. I think McElrath bounces back into uh, the into the top spot. I think these two are just going to go back and forth. It's going to be awesome, awesome to watch. Uh, my four fifties. I am doing this, and oh man, uh, I guess this. Some of this, a little bit of that. All right, go ahead. What do you got? All right, I'm going to go. Adam Sanserulo, <laughs> shut up. Cooper Webb, and Reed. No. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Um, Spicy. Yeah. That is the take of the week. The take of the take. Hot takes. Hot, hot takes. takes. Um, where are we going? We're going Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, I don't think if Cooper Webb comes, even if he does come back, I don't think he's going to be much of a contender. Um, I'm going to put Roxon up top. Okay. Cause I think he's going to battle back from this. Um, quiet. It's quiet. Don't think too loud. I'm going to put Tomac in number two. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <Thank you. coughs> oh, jeez. I think you'd be stupid not to. Um, that number three and- spot is, it's a tough one. It is. Um, it was where I struggled a little bit with mine. I am going to put Osborne in the number three Ooh, spot. You like shaking it up a little bit here and there. Yeah. Unfortunately, you take dumb risks. Well, there's no money on the line and here, a, so. Ah, we should have put money on the line. 
Um, my t- <laughs> it's not actually Osborne has looked better and better, and if he tr- continues trending in this direction, a podium is, you know, coming soon. So, mine, um, my third place, I have Anderson. Okay. Um, I think he's finally showing up. Second place, I have Roxon. I think he gets his start, finishes in second. But number one, I have Eli, and here it is. Here is my ultimate prediction. I think, I think it's time. I think Eli has shown up. I think his confidence is through the roof. He's won two in a row. He's won four. Roxon's won two. Webb has won one. So he's already doubled the amount of wins as the next guy. I think at this point, Eli's going to start dropping a hammer. We're going to see his usual streak, four, five, six wins in a row. And I think he starts to run away with this thing. I think this is his year. He looks great. He sounds confident in his interviews. And after watching him the last two weeks, I didn't want to quite, I said, if, you know, I was like, we could see it happen. Nope. I, that's it. I'm officially now making it a prediction. I think from this point on, Eli just starts running away with this thing. I could see that. Um, I'm going to, I put Roxon up, fro- up, up front because this is a do or die situation for him this week. Yes. Not talking about I after agree. that because we've got Atlanta this week. And then we've got Daytona the week after that. That's if why. he doesn't do it this week, it is over. It is over. Because, I, listen, I'm going to make a prediction for Daytona right now. Eli's number one. I'm not even going to take that bet. So. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take that bet. No. That is Eli's track. That's Eli's track. You're right. This is So I said these next two weeks are the most important races of the season. Yep. Uh, Atlanta, this week, is the most, is the most important race of the season so this far. Is, uh, for those of you listening to this, if you're going to watch any one single race... We need – do we do the broadcast this week? Keep an eye on our Facebook because we may decide to do the first official – and we may may do it on Facebook Live just to give you guys a taste of what it's going to be like. We may do a, a live broadcast of us watching the races just because of the sheer importance that this race has on the overall championship for this year. Um this is a make-or-break week for the the championship. Roxon either decides to be a contender for the championship or Eli seals it up. Yep. He needs to put Eli on notice that he's not going to run away yep. with it. He has to finish in front of Eli. He really has to win it. Um, and if Eli wins this thing, I don't care where Roxon finishes. If he finishes two, three seconds behind Eli, if Eli Doesn't finishes matter. first in this race, it is over. Game over. Game over. For this season. So man, I was that yeah. was exciting. Yeah, that, that was, was great, exciting. Great races last night. Um, thank you guys all once again for listening. Um, it's just the feedback we've been getting has been so so uplifting and and positive. And even the negative criticisms and feedback that we've been getting, it's uh, worthwhile. It's so worth it. It's so awesome. We're trying to incorporate everything you guys are talking about, or at least talking about some of the things like adding a second uh, cast for previews, uh, live streaming, watching uh, the races, and then some more exclusive content for Jug Club members. Early adopters, get on there now, www.powerthenumber2theground.com. Join up on Jug Club. Look out for giveaways, all of that stuff. Um, But keep it up. Keep up the feedback. Keep the conversation going with us. Um, The more you talk to us, the more likely you are to get shout out on the the (laughs) podcast. Thanks again, Weston. Thanks again, Dog, our first Jug Club member. Um, Jesse, you got anything else, bud? Follow us on Facebook, um, power to at Power to the Ground. Uh, make sure you uh, pay attention to that feed because, like I said, we may be doing the live uh, Facebook live uh, broadcast of us watching the races this week. Follow us on um, 
Instagram, same thing, at Power to the Ground. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes podcast, uh, um, sorry, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, wherever you happen to be listening to this. And that's all I got, man. That's all I got. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week in Atlanta. Peace.